God is the God of the universe. God is the God of everybody. And that is what John was referring to when he said that the one that does not love does not know God. But the confidence that you must have in the word of God from within, that deep assurance, heaven is a state of happiness which comes as a result of living a useful life. The heavenly pursuit is usefulness. The heavenly pursuit is love. The wisdom of God, it is universal. It is universal because it does not belong to a certain set. Merry Christmas. I see that you people have really treated today as a special day. That's powerful. Christmas morning. Today is Christmas. So we are celebrating Christmas. Hallelujah. So today I want to share with us a Christmas message. I mean, it's Christmas. So... What is Christmas? Like, what is Christmas about? We are celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ, right? The birth of Jesus Christ. Wow. Wow. So, God walked the earth, right? There are a lot of arguments. Jesus wasn't really born on 25th. Fine. You understand? But the celebration of Christmas is not about the accuracy of the date of birth. It's about the principle. Hallelujah. And even the principle, we need to appreciate it more. We need to appreciate the principle more. Because there are people that, oh, Jesus was born. Oh, God walked the earth so that he'll come and die for us. But there is more to Jesus' appearing on the earth than just the fact that God was born. And today, it is the principle that I want us to look at. Because Jesus' appearing in the earth, it followed a particular pattern. Amen. It followed a particular pattern. And... In that pattern, we get to understand how God appears. How God appears. How God appears in the hearts of men. Hallelujah. So, you see, Jesus was born to the Jews, right? Yeah. And in principle, his birth or his appearing among the Jews is symbolic of how God appears in us how God appears in us, how God is manifestly declared in us. So it is the principle of how God is manifestly declared in men that was followed for God to be manifestly declared amongst the Jews. So it is not that God was born among the Jews and then we can learn a few things from it. No, there are principles by which God appears within the hearts of men. Hallelujah. And God appearing within the hearts of men is a stronger appearing than he appearing among the Jews in physical form. In other words, God manifesting himself in the spirit to men is a greater experience for men 
than God manifesting himself in the flesh before the Jewish people and before the world. Hallelujah. If you are carnal, your thinking is that God appearing physical is feely-feely. And that is supposed to be a stronger experience for you. If you say God is manifested in the heart, yeah, it's not much. But the reality is that when God is manifested in the flesh before men, God is viewed from their sight. Hallelujah. So even though it's a manifestation of God, the covering of the natural makes it such that the reality of God, which is in spirit, remember, God is spirit, isn't it? The reality of God, which is in spirit, is viewed from the sight of men. It's principles. If God appears in the flesh, or anything of God that is spirit, that appears in the flesh, appears in symbols in the flesh. And the symbols are such that they are houses in which the spiritual realities dwell. So if you look at the symbol itself, then the spiritual reality will be hidden from you. Hallelujah. So even though God walked the earth in the material form, that walking the earth is God which is viewed from the sight of men. Hallelujah. It is God which is viewed from the sight of men. And that tied into a certain reality that existed among the people. Because then the manifestation of God in the flesh was actually a sign unto the people in terms of how blind they have become or how carnal they have become. So if God is going to manifest in the flesh or if God has the need to manifest in the flesh, then it means that the people that he is dealing with are blinded in the spirit. So that a manifestation of God in the flesh has become necessary and that manifestation then becomes a sign of their own blindness. So they were not privileged. They were a bunch of blind people who had deteriorated to the point that the only way God could come in is through the flesh. So that manifestation is a manifestation, all right, but it is God in the material. And if God appears in the material, then the actual reality of God, which is in spirit, is hidden from those that are experiencing him in the material. That is why a manifestation of God in the spirit is a greater and a stronger and a more useful manifestation of God than manifestation of God in the material. So, for instance, there are some of us that we feel like we will be stronger if God were to show himself up in the material. Or our faith will be strengthened if the fact that we are serving a living God manifests in our economic situation. You see, then your faith will be strong. The fact that God is a reality in your life will be more obvious to you because now your economic situation is changing. Now the health in your body is becoming better. Now your job is becoming better. Now something that you are looking from God in the material has been done. You feel like when that is accomplished, then the fact that you are serving God will become more obvious to you. It is a sign of your blindness because the reality of God is supposed to be trapped in the hearts of men. And that is where men can see God in all his glory. Hallelujah. That is where men can see God in all his glory. Any manifestation of God in the material 
is a viewed manifestation. It is a viewed manifestation. It is the manifestation of God in the spirit. What am I saying? I'm saying that your ability to meet God in your heart and in your mind should satisfy you in your Christian experience, even if your economic situation has not changed, even if Akufuado has spoiled Ghana. You see, I'm telling you this because this is necessary for those that belong to the lost new church. Because I find that we are in the habit of quickly wanting to translate every spiritual experience we have into an economic reality, into a material blessing. And when we find that that transition is difficult, then we devalue that spiritual experience. And I'm saying that that spiritual experience is of immeasurable value because it's a spiritual experience. Its value does not become huge because it is material. No, or it has been translated into the material. Its value, its intrinsic value is in the spirit. Its intrinsic value is in the spirit. So an encounter with God in the spirit is a greater encounter than an encounter with God in the material. And it is an encounter with God in the spirit that produces faith in a man. So you are thinking that you'll be stronger in your work and more convinced about the path that you have chosen if that path translates into economic transformation or material blessings. But I'm saying that you'll be more convinced and strengthened about the path you have chosen if you discover that path in the spirit. Because that is where real faith is. That is where real faith is. That's where real godly experience is. It is not in the material. Hallelujah. So even though Jesus walked the earth in the material form, it is not the ultimate. It is not the ultimate plan of God that anytime he wants to be known by men, he comes to them in the material. It is because of the nature of the people at the time that necessitated the coming of the Lord in the material. That's why the Bible talks about the fact that Jesus, in dealing with the Samaritan woman, said there's coming a time where ye shall need that worship in this mountain nor in Jerusalem. The time comes where ye shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Now, it says, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. And this seeketh such is not God seeking the people at the time. This is the eternal seeking of God. This is the eternal desire of God. God does not have temporary desires. Hallelujah. His desires are eternal all the time. So if Jesus said that the Father seeketh such to worship him, then he's saying that this worshiping in spirit and in truth is the all-time eternal desire of God. That men, if they will worship him, must worship him in spirit and in truth. Hallelujah. Men, if they must worship the Lord, must worship him in spirit and in truth. This is the eternal desire of God. This is the eternal desire of God. An experience of God in the spirit. An experience of God that touches the heart. When love is born in your heart, it's a greater experience than when you get a bank alert. Hallelujah. When love is born in your heart, it's a greater experience than when you get healed in your body. So you are likely going to give a testimony about the blessings of God because of a manifestation in the material. And you are going to easily belittle the transformation and the blessings of God in your heart. And this is what you are doing. You are exalting the material birth 
of God as against the spiritual birth of God within you. You are exalting the work of God in the earth, in the material, above the work of God in the earth, in the hearts of men. That's what you are doing. But our testimonies must be about God whom we have met in the spirit. Now, how do we determine that we have met God in the spirit? We determine it from the transitions that our own spirits undergo. Your spirit is made up of your heart, what you love, and then your mind. And when I say your mind, it's not just your mind in the natural, your mind also in the spirit. Hallelujah. Now, that is your spirit, man. That is your spirit. Now, the encounter of God must be measured according to the transitions of God that your spirit man undergoes. In other words, when your spirit man evolves so that your spirit man begins to love in the way that God loves, and your spirit man begins to think according to the wisdom of God without inhibition, not because you heard it in the material, but because you heard it in the spirit. There's this awareness that you come into that now makes you by default inclined and in love with the divine wisdom and inclined and in love to the divine love. That transition is what the encounter is about. The Bible says that he that does not love does not know God. And it is possible to meet God in the material and not know him. Because the knowledge is not that you saw God. The knowledge is that you love. And to have love in your heart, in other words, your heart is responding to the love and the will of God. To have your heart inclined and filled with this love and will is actually your meeting God. He that does not love does not know God. When you meet God in the natural, it does not necessarily translate into you loving him, isn't it? But you would think that you will know God because you have met him in the natural. And I'm saying that, no, you will know God when you meet him in the spirit. Hallelujah. I'm not talking about you having a vision of God. Actually, you having a vision of God with God standing before you is still a natural experience of God. Listen, you having a vision of God with God still before you, God standing before you, that's Jesus standing before you. You having a vision of an angel with the angel standing before you is still a natural experience of God. It is only when that which is within the Lord, as he stands before you, resonates with that which is within you. Listen, it is only when that which is within the Lord, as he stands before you, resonates with that which is within you, which is your own heart and your own mind. That is when you have known God in the spirit. Because that's how spiritual encounters are. That's how encounters are in heaven. In encounters in heaven, we meet our natural selves. Hallelujah. Now, when I say natural, I mean the external self. We still have external selves when we die. And when we meet ourselves after death, we encounter our external selves. But the thing with this encounter is that it is the external self that the internal self shines through completely. So it is not the encountering of a form, but the encountering of the substance within the form. Hallelujah. 
So then when you encounter a person, what you see is not his external natural form. What you see is his heart. That is what comes out of him towards you. What you see is his mind. That is what comes out of him towards you. Hallelujah. And it does not come out of him towards your external self. It comes out of the person into your internal self. In other words, if we met in the spirit, the love that is in my heart will resonate with the love that is in your heart. And if there is any communication, it's a direct communication with the love that is in one person's heart being given out to the heart that is in the other person. It is a translation of mind. The mind that is in one person getting into the mind that is in the other person. Not the external. I'm talking about the spiritual. Hallelujah. And that is how encounters are in the spirit. And that's why I'm saying that if you encounter the Lord in a vision, and he stands there and he just tells you something and goes away. Your vision may just be a natural experience. Just as you met the Lord in the material and he told you something. Except that which is in his heart goes beyond your literal thinking and your literal hearing and your literal feeling into your heart and that which is in his mind goes into your mind. That is when there's a spiritual encounter. So I do not speak concerning visions, even though visions are powerful. I speak concerning that unseen encounter that is there and the way to judge that it is there is in the fact that God with us. That is how we judge it. That God is now present. Hallelujah. Normally what we do is that we judge an encounter because we say, this is the person, this is me. Right? Now, the encounter that we have in the spirit, its judgment is in the fact that God is now with you. Now, what is of God that is with you? His love. What is of God that is with you? His wisdom. That's how we judge it. So anyone who finds that in his heart by default, without struggle, is the divine love. And in his mind, by default, without struggle, is the divine wisdom has met God. And that meeting is more important, is superior to an encounter that is in the material. Once again, the material encounter of God by the Jewish people was a limitation. That is why when Jesus walked with them, he kept on telling them that it is good that he goes away. Because when he goes, then the spirit will be able to come. The comforter, the spirit of truth will be able to come. Why? Because then the ultimate desire of God is that we do not know him in the material, but we know him where? In the spirit. And the presence of the Lord with us in the spirit is that true encounter. Hallelujah. That is that true encounter. Now, again, his coming also follows another principle where before God is revealed to every man, God comes to that man in the material. In other words, the material encounter is not the actual revelation. So that's a spiritual principle. And that is where what we see in the introduction of doctrine, in the introduction of the word of God, the commandments of God, that is the Lord coming to you, but that is not the revelation of the Lord. Hallelujah. That is not the revelation of the Lord. That is the Lord coming to you and bringing you to the place of revelation. So that is another principle there. So when a person first encounters God, he encounters God in a way that he is viewed from his sight. 
He is not viewed because now God is hiding himself. He is viewed because the person's heart blinds him. And the introduction of God into the person's life in the form of the word of God, the doctrine of God, is to help cure his blindness. So that now with his blindness removed, he can see more clearly. Hallelujah. So we also see that in the life of Jesus, that when he came in the material form that he came, it is like in the way we also receive material doctrine. We also receive doctrine according to our senses. Now that is the word of God, but it's according to our senses. And that is not the actual revelation of God. Hallelujah. For instance, there are some of us that have concluded that we know God because we have been taught doctrine. That is not a knowledge of God. That is to know God in the material, and that material knowledge is not the actual knowledge. God is still viewed from your sight. There is the next step that the doctrine in the material should take every man to, and that is to the point where the person encounters God for himself. There shall no man teach the other know the Lord. From the least to the greatest, they shall know me. Now that is where doctrine leads a person to. So an encounter of the Lord in doctrine is not the encounter of the reality of the Lord. But it's a principle that if a person will encounter the Lord, the person must first encounter him in a, a viewed way, which is doctrine. And it is because the person is meeting the Lord as one who cannot clearly see the Lord. That is the reason why the Lord is coming to help. But if doctrine does its work, then the person now comes to a place where the eyes are opened and he can encounter the Lord in the spirit. Hallelujah. He can encounter the Lord in the spirit. Now, the one that has received doctrine and has been blessed by doctrine through the life that doctrine produces is called a virgin. It's called a virgin. And that is the one that loves the Lord. So in scriptures, the virgin is the one that is consecrated to the Lord. And that consecration is effected by the doctrine that is introduced to the person's life. That is what effects the consecration. Consecration is not just something you decide. It's a transformation that you undergo to remove anything that stands in the way of the ordination of God. Hallelujah. To remove anything that stands in the way of the ordination of God. That is what consecration is. And doctrine consecrates us. Doctrine takes us through the process of transformation so that we can stand on the holy mount of God in the place of encounter, in the place of proper spiritual encounter. Now, anyone that undergoes this transformation, this consecration through doctrine, when they encounter the Lord in the spirit, know that that spiritual encounter far outweighs the encounter that they had with the Lord when doctrine was introduced to them. They know that what they understood from the doctrine, even though it was an understanding, they used a certain level of their own mind to understand. Okay? But there are depths of their mind and depths of their hearts that were not touched by the doctrine that was introduced. But by the revelation that the Lord brings, those places are attached. So it becomes a deeper encounter. It is like when a teacher teaches you, you encounter what the teacher teaches, right? But to understand what the teacher teaches, you go beyond the fact that you can read what is written on the board. So what is written on the board, even though that is an encounter, it is an encounter of a shallow form. When now you gain understanding of what the teacher taught, then you are using 
a deeper part of your mind. Just the mind that can take in one plus one, there's an equal sign. Uh, and then you write to that mind that can take in this information. It's shallow. It's not the depth of your mind that takes this information. But the understanding of how one plus one can become two, that goes deeper into the mind. Now, that's how doctrine is. When you receive doctrine, you receive it with a certain level of your mind. When that doctrine becomes life, and by that life you gain spiritual insight, then the deeper levels of your mind that were before closed now are opened, and therefore you gain a deeper experience beyond that which you had when you encountered the word as doctrine. Hallelujah. So now that is a principle, and that principle is followed by the coming of the Lord. And that is why he kept on talking about the fact that the Holy Ghost will come. So in other words, even when the Lord walked the earth, he was emphasizing that they meeting him and dealing with him is not as important as what is coming. Hallelujah. And that, that spiritual encounter, ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. That spiritual encounter, that inward experience of God is the key. Because that outward experience of God does not change a man. The inward experience of God is that which changes the man. Because now God does not come and exist within you as a separate person, but he becomes fused into your members so that you and God, you become one. Hallelujah. That is a spiritual marriage. God is fused into your members. Now that is a greater experience than you meeting God in the marketplace, you meeting God, I was saying, oh, this is God. Then you share a few wise words. Say, wow. And you see also on the road to Emmaus, the experience that the two disciples had with Jesus. As they walked with him, he kept talking with them, right? But the actual experience came when the bread was broken. That is when they got to know. You see, look at this. He was talking with you. He said that when he spoke to us, our hearts warmed. But they didn't know him. That's the point. It was when he broke the bread that their eyes were open and they saw that it was Jesus. He spoke powerful things. They were excited. And that is how encountering the Lord in the material is. Oh, nice, nice, nice. But you don't know him. And when your eyes open and you see him, then you say, oh, this is the Lord. And that opening of the eyes and the encounter that comes afterwards far outweighs the encounter on the road to Emmaus. That is the idea. So our striving must not just be to know doctrine. Even though to know doctrine is the pathway, our striving must be to know what is beyond doctrine, to come to the knowledge that goes beyond knowledge to come to the understanding that goes beyond understanding. That is the real encounter. That is the real encounter. To come to terms with truth that is not spoken. To experience knowledge that is beyond words. To have encounters that are at levels that the unspiritual man cannot experience. That is what God is calling us to. So in Isaiah chapter 7 verse 13, and he said hear ye now, O house of David, is it a small thing for you to weary men 
but will ye weary my God also? Verse 14, and that's the key scripture. Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Now, the question is, what is the purpose of the sign? What is this sign? Sign is that which signifies something, right? Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. And I'm saying that it is this sign that we must look for within us. When they say that a sign is coming, there is a place where you look for the sign. Hallelujah. There is a place where you look for the sign. When they say there will be a sign, okay, you have to ask, where should I look to find the sign? Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. When the wise men from the east came, they said, we have seen his star. That was the sign. Where did they look? They looked into the heavens for what? The sign. Hallelujah. And that is key. They looked into the heavens for the sign. They didn't look into the material world. They looked into the heavens. And that is where you look for the sign. Amen. All right. Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive. Now, this is the principle. A virgin shall conceive. When God is going to dwell amongst people, the principle is that a virgin shall conceive. When God is going to dwell within your own heart, the principle is that you, a virgin, must conceive. Hallelujah. That's the principle. You must be a virgin. Now, that which turns you into a virgin is the doctrine. Hallelujah. It's the doctrine. It's the truth that you obey. It is that truth that brings your consecration. The virgin is a consecrated person. One that is consecrated to one husband is in love with one husband only. That virgin is the one that shall conceive. It means that when a person is consecrated to God through doctrine, there is a conception that takes place in the person automatically. Now, that conception is the birth of the Lord in the heart of the person. Hallelujah. That's the birth of the Lord in the spirit of a person. That is the conception. And when the Lord is born in us and formed in us, then our old man is put aside, right? And the new man, which is the Lord alive in us, now takes over. The virgin must conceive. Hallelujah. The virgin must conceive. And the virgin is the one that is consecrated to God through the life of obedience that doctrine produces. That is the virgin. And one that is consecrated to God that way now conceives the Lord in his heart. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear what? A son. Now what is a son? A son is truth that goes forth out of love, isn't it? And that is the spiritual life. Listen. Truth that goes forth out of love. So it is truth with love inherent in it. That is the spiritual life. That is the son. So now that is a new person that is born. Hallelujah. That is the new man. This new man is a fusion of the virgin. Remember, in the material, Mary was the chosen virgin, right? And the material principle is that if she's a virgin and she's going to give birth to the Lord, then she should not have any relations with another man, right? It is the Lord that must be her husband. And the Bible explained it when you read Matthew chapter 1, that that which is conceived in you is of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. That which is conceived in you, the new man that is conceived in you is of the Holy Ghost. 
Now, that is the point that I'm making. That's the new man that is conceived as a result of the spiritual encounter. That's the Holy Ghost, the new man. The angel said that this person that is conceived in you is of the Holy Ghost. Have you seen that scripture? Matthew chapter 1. It's of the Holy Ghost. That person is of the Holy Ghost. So you look at Mary is the virgin. Now, the virgin here is the one that is consecrated to God, isn't it? Now, that is the person of the church, isn't it? Now, that person is going to be joined to the Lord in the spirit. It's a spiritual joining. And that is why it's the Holy Ghost. That is why it's the Holy Ghost. It's a spiritual joining. So now, the virgin that is joined to the Lord in the spirit becomes a new man. There's a new man that is born out of it. Now, this is the principle. When a man is joined to the Lord, there is a new man that is called the Son of God. Now, it is by this principle that the Lord walked the earth. Hallelujah. When the Lord is joined to a virgin, that virgin is the one that has separated himself or herself from that which is evil, has separated himself unto ordination. And when the Lord now meets such a person in the spirit, that which now becomes of the person is called the son of God. Remember, in spiritual things, if somebody conceives and gives birth, it is not a separate human being that has come out of the person. It is the transition of the person's life. Before the person was something, and through the conception and giving birth, the person has transitioned into becoming that which he has given birth to. That's the idea. So you don't give birth and remain what you were when you gave birth. You're giving birth. Like if you dream and you have conceived and you have given birth, and your dream is a spiritual dream, it means that what you have given birth to is the new person. And at times, when you are changing for the worse, you see that that which you have produced is a bad thing. And when you are changing for the better, you see that that which you have produced is a good thing. Hallelujah. Now, so for that which is conceived in her is what? Of the Holy Ghost, the last line. That which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. So that's the principle. There's a spiritual union that produces another person. Hallelujah. And that union is the virgin that is the church or that is the man of the church, the one consecrated. Remember, it is not the one that is being preached to. It is the one that is consecrated by the preaching. That is the virgin. The consecration that comes by doctrine, which can only happen through obedience. That is the virgin. And that virgin is separated unto the Lord. Hallelujah. It is for this reason that Joseph did not contribute to the birth of the child. Because both Joseph and Mary are of the church. Hallelujah. Both Joseph and Mary are of the church. So if Joseph had contributed, it would not have symbolized. Now Mary and the Lord are the ones that came together, the Lord in the spirit, to produce the Lord in the earth. Now that is the principle. So going back to the Isaiah scripture, it says that a virgin shall conceive, and this is the sign, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name what? Emmanuel. Now, Emmanuel means what? God with us. God with us. That is Emmanuel. Now, when Jesus walked the earth, the conception, okay, where the virgin and the Holy Ghost came together, the virgin and the Holy Ghost came together, and the Lord, who is God from eternity, was born as a man. That person that was born is called what? Emmanuel. That is God with us. God with the people. Remember, the material life is that 
the Jews naturally were there. Now, God came amongst the Jews. The spiritual implication is that man is there and God comes within the man. So God within the man is a new man. The encounter of God within the man is a new man. Now, when God appeared among the Jews through the conception and birth that Mary went through, that person is called what? Emmanuel, God with us. That's the principle. Now, remember, it is not from the material birth of the Lord that we get this principle. This is an eternal principle. And the principle is that when a virgin joins herself or himself with the Lord, that which the person becomes is called God with us. Hallelujah. Or God in that man. But the best way to put it for you to understand is God with us. Now, it is not the idea of there's a separate God that you encounter, but God is tabernacling with the person. Hallelujah. Now, that is Emmanuel. So, Emmanuel itself is a principle. And that principle is the principle that is found in the church. That when God successfully finds his dwelling place in a man, the idea or the son that is born out of it, which is the new person that the person becomes, is called Emmanuel. Hallelujah. Emmanuel. Now, an interesting thing from the Matthew scripture, verse 20. Yes. That was the conceivance of the Holy Ghost. Verse 21. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name what? Jesus. So now again, principle. In the initial case, it was Emmanuel. That is God with us. But in this case, the son that is brought forth, that's the person that comes out of it. The person that is formed as a result of the union between God and the virgin is Jesus. And now we understand what it means. It says, for he shall save his people from their sins. Hallelujah. In other words, the salvation of a person happens when the Lord is conceived in the heart of the person and born. So it is the birth of the Lord in a man that means his salvation. A man's salvation is not his obedience. A man's salvation is not when he's striving against and turning away from evils. A man's salvation is when through the separation from evils, that person comes into union with the Lord. Because it is union with the Lord that will actually push away the evils that were confronting us, the evils that stained us. It is union with the Lord. Listen to this. Normally, you would think that when you separate yourself from evil through overcoming, turning away from evils, that is when you are saved from your sins. That's the salvation from your sins. I'm saying that it is the presence of the Lord within you. It is your encounter with the Lord that saves you. It is not that you turned away from evil that saved you. It is the fact that love has entered your heart. A new principle called love has entered your heart. A new principle called wisdom has entered your heart. That is that which saves you from your sins. Hallelujah. That is why anyone that is fighting to overcome cannot successfully overcome if at the same time that they are fighting, they are not looking to the Lord to save them from sin. We think that to overcome, turn away from evils is the salvation. No. It is when the Lord comes that the salvation takes place. Hallelujah. So what we are looking for is the spiritual encounter because that is what will mean that we are truly saved from evil. 
It is not the material turning away from evils through the doctrine that we hear. Even though that is the path that we walk through, it is not the end. So there are some of us that oh, I'm just trying to be a good person. No, you find that you can't succeed. We are looking for the Lord to appear in our hearts. Hallelujah. That is what we are looking at. That is what the morning is. Like Peter said, we hold on to the doctrine as those who hold on to a small light in a dark place. That's what we have, a small light in a dark place. It's a small understanding, a shallow understanding. But the idea is that the darkness will go, right? How will the darkness go? The day will dawn. The day star will do what? Arise in our hearts. The darkness will not go by itself. It is when the day star arises in our hearts. And that is the encounter that I'm talking about. That is the appearing of the Lord in us. That is when the darkness goes away. Hallelujah. So we hold on to the light. That's the doctrine. But when we hold on to doctrine in our hearts, according to our desires, we are looking for the time that we will encounter the Lord face to face. Face to face is not for the Lord to stand opposite you. Face to face is inside to inside. Because the inside of a man is his face. Huh? That's the inside of a man. So we are looking for the time that we will encounter the Lord face to face. And this must be your disposition all the time. You should be the one that is looking to encounter the Lord face to face all the time. Other than that, your spiritual journey will not lead to anything. If you just take it that, oh, uh, let's just overcome. No, then you don't understand why overcoming is necessary. Then you think that we are in a place where we just say something should not be done and something should be done. No, our aim is that we will see the Lord face to face. Hallelujah. Our aim is that we will see the Lord face to face. Because that encounter is what will deliver us. When we see the Lord face to face, what we become is called Jesus. It's a principle. I'm not saying that we are Jesus. Hallelujah. It's the principle. That principle is that now the Lord is in a man. And he in that man saves the man from his sins. Hallelujah. That is the principle. The Lord is in the man now. And I'm saying it is the Lord in you that banishes the evil. It is the Lord in you that keeps the evil perpetually banished. And when the evil is perpetually banished, that is when you are truly saved. And it is only the presence of light that will keep away darkness forever. When light is forever present, darkness is forever kept away. And that light is the Lord present in us. When there is fire perpetually present, cold is kept away. The highest conditions of cold is kept away because fire is perpetually present. Now that is the encounter that I'm talking about. That the Lord will appear in our hearts. That we may not just seek to know him in the external. Because that knowledge is not anything. It's fine, but it's not anything. What is really a proper knowledge of the Lord is that which we come to know of the Lord in the spirit. And that is what every man must seek. That the Lord may be conceived in him and born in him. And the birth of the Lord in every man is the transformation that the Lord is looking for. That's the transformation. And that's what we look for. So Jesus has been born in the material, 
But that is only a material manifestation of the eternal principle that God must be born in the hearts of men. And that it is the destiny of every man that God be born in him. That is our destiny. And we must treasure this birth of the Lord in us above a material, literal, natural encounter. Because there is no power there, even though it seems like there is power. The real proper encounter is the encounter of the Lord within our hearts. Because that's where the controlling forces in a man, in his heart. So if you encounter the Lord from there, then the Lord controls you from that point. That's where then the real change is brought to bear. It is that encounter. May the Lord help us so that we will prefer this encounter, the birth of the Lord within us, that we'll treasure it, we'll see it as the treasure that it is, and not look for an encounter on the outside. Because those that look for an encounter on the outside, they are an evil and adulterous generation. When an internal encounter, when it's presented to you, seems like it will not satisfy you. It seems like it will not satisfy you. But you feel strongly that an external encounter, a natural encounter of the Lord, is what will satisfy you. It's a sign that you are evil and you are carnal. And what you need is not that the Lord will appear to you. What you need is that you turn away from evil. Because then when you turn away from evil, you will find that the Lord in the spirit is the greatest manifestation. And in that manifestation, he's called Emmanuel. And what we become in principle is called Emmanuel. God with us. In that manifestation, he's called Jesus. And what we become in principle is this Jesus. Because then God in us, God with us, also means that we are delivered from evil. This is what we look for. Anyone that gives himself or herself to doctrine can't give himself or herself to doctrine for giving sake. The person must automatically be looking for that encounter. We only like doctrine. We only like the word of God that is preached because we know that where we need to ascend to, these are the building blocks. This is the pathway to the place that we want to get to. It is not the destination to know truth in the external. The destination is the spiritual encounter of truth. Anyone who has met the Lord in the spirit knows that it far outweighs the knowledge of the Lord in the material. A material knowledge is a shallow knowledge. A spiritual knowledge is a deeper knowledge. And that is what the Lord is calling us to. That is the privilege that we have in the Lord's new church. That we are going to be people who worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. Who know the Lord from the spirit. And through the spirit live the heavenly life in the earth. That spiritual encounter, that influence upon the heart. That locks the heart in, in a certain manner and 
and put their heart on a certain path, a certain default path. And through that, the powers of the heavens comes through the heart of such a man. And when the man leaves, it is like the Lord that is living his life in the earth. In such a man, the will of God will be done. Through such a man, the will of God will be done. We say love the neighbor, right? The reason why we say we must love the neighbor, that's the heavenly life, is because it is the Lord that seeks to love the neighbor. We don't say love the neighbor because we must just love people. It is the Lord that seeks to love the neighbor. If I must love you, my understanding must be that it is the Lord that seeks to love you. And it is only the Lord, as he is born in me, that can successfully love you. It is only the Lord that loves. When we say love the neighbor, it is the Lord that seeks to love that neighbor. Those that do not know the Lord, but have heard the doctrine that love the neighbor, will try to do something for the neighbor, but it will not be the Lord. It will be according to their own wisdom and according to their own desires. And that is why people setting out to love people actually end up destroying them. But the Lord loves us in a certain way. And there's an end that he has in mind as he loves us. See, so in principle, love the neighbor, even though it's a doctrine for those that want to be changed, it's actually the eternal life principle for those that have been changed. Do you see? Yeah. It's the eternal life principle for those that have been changed. You say, love the neighbor. You try to turn away from evil and do something that is right. But where we must get to is where this principle of love from the Lord in our hearts and from that love, we love the neighbor. Knowing that it is the Lord that seeks to love the neighbor. Hallelujah. When a person loves you, it is the Lord that seeks to love you and has loved you through that person. That's the point. That is where then those with the Lord conceived and born in them become angels. Because then these are true messengers of God's love. When God wants to send love to a person, to help the person in the way that God has determined, God will send a man. That man is called the son of God. The manifestation of God. That's, that man is called the son of God. The hues, one that is able to represent God. God will send such a man. It is because it is the Lord. Remember, the principle of messenger is the principle of one who has met the one sending the message. If I'm a messenger of God, it means I've come to you with an encounter of the one that wants to send you something. For example, if I'm the messenger of Pastor Enoch and I come to you, the thinking is that I've already met Pastor Enoch. He has given me something and that's why I've come to you, isn't it? That's the idea. So the principle of the messenger is the one that has met God. And because you have met God, you carry God with you. If you have not met God, you are not a messenger. And the one that has met God is not the one that has heard doctrine. Because such a person has actually met God as one who encounters a person in the dark. The one that has met God is the one that has encountered him in the light. 
And the only place where such encounter is possible is in the heart and in the mind. That is in the spirit. So that's what we want. That's what we want. That the Lord will be born in us. That's why we strive. This is why we seek to be virgins. That the Lord who is in spirit may come into us. That we may be changed and be turned into another man. Sons of God. Emmanuel, the Lord who is with us. Jesus, the one that saves us from our sins. May the Lord help us. And may we truly walk this life. May we truly live it out. And may we come to that place of encounter so that our knowledge of God will not be shallow. It will not be hearsay because somebody said it. Somebody told me and I think it is true. But it will be born out of an encounter. A true encounter of God. Where you see God alive in what he is in your heart. God alive according to his love in your heart. And you feel a different personality operating and prevailing over your heart. You feel a different current, a different force moving over your mind and inclining your mind to certain wisdoms. Not as an advice, but as a vessel that is thoroughly opened and thoroughly inclined and accepting of that which comes to dwell within it. This is the ultimate for us. This is the ultimate for us. And I pray that the Lord will open our eyes that we will see, that we will understand. In the coming week, we are going to seek the face of God. And you must go in this spirit as one that is looking for God who is seen in the spirit. As one that is looking for God who is seen in the spirit. That certain encounters must bubble up from within the heart and the mind. Certain spiritual impressions before they become an outward reaction must first take place on the inside. Because that is a genuine one. An outward reaction without an inward distilling of life. It's no encounter. It's no encounter. In this coming week, we present ourselves as vessels that something from the Lord will touch us. Not from the outside, but from the inside. Not from the outside, but from the inside. It is our hearts that we present. When we come for encounter, it is not our physical things that we present. In the place of encounter, what we present is our heart. We present our heart for encounter. What we present is our minds. We present our minds in all its parts for encounter. In other words, in an encounter, we must live with a greater love, a greater fire for the cause of the divine that we have known.
That is a true encounter. We must live with a greater fire, a greater desire for the cause of the divine that we have known. We must live with a greater wisdom for the cause of the divine that we have known. Then we can say we have truly met God. And it is such an encounter that we are looking for. A stronger fire. If the encounter must be in the spirit, then it is our hearts and our minds that we must present for the encounter. In this coming week, that's what you present. Your heart and your mind. That's what you offer. As a virgin, breaking away from that which holds the heart and the mind. That which holds your own heart and mind. Then you can offer it as a virgin. For union with the Lord who alone is encountered in the spirit. For union with such a Lord so that something can be conceived. Want to begin a new journey. Want to begin a new journey. And it would then mean that new conceptions must take place. Want to begin a higher journey, a greater journey, a more spiritually sophisticated journey. And it is the heart and the mind that we present for such conception to take place. We want to begin something mightier than we have known. We want to believe that what we have encountered before is not anything. If it were anything, we should have been more than what we are. So we want a greater life than what we have known. And that greater life then will be that which is born. But before the birth or the conception can take place, then there must be encounter. And it is that encounter that we see. And that is why it is the face of the Lord that we are seeking. It is the face of the Lord that we are seeking. Psalm 27, verse 7 to 10. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy also upon me and answer me. I pray that the Lord will answer us in this season. As we cry unto him with our heart, is the heart we bring. Verse 28. When thou says, seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, thy face, Lord, will I seek. I pray that we will respond to the Lord this way. Because the Lord is saying we should seek his face. Remember, his face is the inward things that are with him. When the Lord says, seek ye my faith, then my heart is the one that I'm bringing. My heart responded positively and said, thy face, Lord, will I seek. I pray that our heart will respond positively. That we will not present our external parts to seek the Lord. That we will not present things that are not us. And hold our truest self because we don't want any interference with our true selves. We just present an outward version of ourselves. Uh, something to clothe ourselves whilst our inward parts are not touched. I pray that it will not be like that. That it is our heart that will respond. 
It is our hearts that will respond. This is our watch scripture for the season. When thou says, Seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, Thy face, Lord, will I seek. Verse 9. Hide not thy face far from me. Put not thy servant away in anger. Thou hast been my help. Leave me not, neither forsake me, O God of my salvation. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. What is your mother? What is your father? The things that constitute your evil life. The things that constitute the old man. When these forsake you. And that is why the virgin is the one that consecrates himself. When my father, it's not that when even your father says they don't like you, then God will take you. No. It's something that must happen. If God will take you up, your father and your mother must forsake you. And this is the principle of the father and the principle of the mother. That which a person's life stems from. And before the Lord steps in, our life stems from that which is evil and that which is false. When my father and my mother forsake me. So this is a season where we forsake mother and father. Hallelujah. Where we forsake. As the Lord brings before us. Hallelujah. Because the Lord will bring what you should forsake. What you must forsake. See, that's a principle. What a person must forsake in order for the Lord to come in is something that the Lord does not hide from the person. It's something the Lord always hangs over your head. That is a sign that the Lord doesn't stop knocking. He doesn't stop knocking. He doesn't stop knocking. He's always going to bring up what you must forsake. So I know he will do it. And I know he's already doing it. And I'm saying that it is that one or those things that you must forsake in order for the Lord to do what? And remember, to take you up, it's not that the Lord will take you. It is for the Lord to take you up. This is ascension. This is ascension. This is ascension. This is to be a man or woman of the spirit. The man that lives from above. From a higher principle and operates from that principle. That the Lord will take me up. I pray that the Lord will help us.